Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to our American listeners. Happy Black Friday to our capitalist pig listeners. And uh, <laughs> it's not even that funny, but it made me laugh because I'm a stupid idiot. Um, yeah, We are here to recap the last couple weeks of Mets uh, news, and there really isn't all that much to uh, talk about. I, I want to start with the Mets uh, non-tendering both Sean Reed Foley and... Dominic Smith. I don't think either of these would be considered shocking news for anyone uh, listening to this podcast, but I think both of them sort of represent. Um, I think they're very different non-tenders. I think Sean Reed Foley coming back under a minor league deal is something that I could absolutely see happening because you know this is a situation where he was hurt. And he's getting more expensive, and so I, you non-tender him, and you maybe bring him back under a minor league deal. Especially the Mets seem to be stockpiling sort of fringe arms, which we'll talk about in a little while. But the Dom Smith one just feels like there was you know, there's a combination of things at play here. He doesn't have a natural position at, in the Mets organization because the Mets have first base locked up. They also have a lefty DH in Daniel Vogelbach who has much more success as of late in that role than Dom Smith does. The outfield experiment for Dom Smith was an abject failure uh, in just about every way. And it just seems like this is the classic change of scenery 
need that the Mets are allowing him to to do. That said, of all of the players the Mets have not brought back in recent years in similar situations, I think that Dom Smith has the most likely shot at being a Justin Turner someplace else, which is putting it together outside of the Mets for whatever reason. I, I'm not saying that's necessarily on the Mets or on Dom. I just think that the combination of his hit tool and the amount of bad luck that he's had as a Met, I wouldn't be shocked if he puts it together someplace else. Do you have a, a similar feeling about Dom, or do you think Dom is just toast at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think he peaked as a major league player, and it sucks to say that because he was an easy guy to root for uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, the cookie club, uh, much more importantly, uh, being willing to speak out in the summer of 2020 uh, about his experience with racism in, in the United States, uh, something that for a player in the position he was in was, you know, a fairly bold thing to do. Uh, and, and even just going back to, I think, one of his early years in the organization was one of the first times that I went down to Port St. Lucie um, on behalf of Amazing Avenue to check things out, take a lot of pictures and all that. And, and just the interaction with him and that experience, uh, just a friendly, seemingly down-to-earth guy, you know, in a context where that's not always the case so very likable player and person from everything that you know we've seen um that we've all seen and for me that brief uh interaction in, in a spring training many years ago when he was 18 and i was probably 28 <laughs> um r- roughly uh so yeah do you, do you remember him him uh, you and I were on the field at spring training in 2020, and you were trying to get a picture of him. And something, so, somebody walked in front of him or something, and he paused and then did like the California "What's up" symbol for you, yeah. like and like very purposely <laughs> paused so you get the picture and then kind of waved at us as he was walking off the field. And yeah. I, I very much appreciated that in that moment as well. Yeah. So just look, we're not uh, we're not around the team all the time. We're not we don't have that level of access that we really know Don Smith. Um, but in the limited capacity that, that we got to interact, it's always been very positive and, and good. And, uh, and, and I, I don't want to think that he, his best work as a major league hitter is behind him. It's just tough to see that turnaround coming when, uh, the, the last two years were, were what they were. Um, but hey, it is a player leaving the Mets, and as much as I'd like everybody's overall perception and, and, and approach to change, I could still totally see an unexpected uh, bump in his productivity from a change of scenery from going anywhere else and getting a chance to play. I, I assume he's going to want to end up in a place... Uh, I haven't looked at the Pirates roster, but just an example of a team that is probably not going to be any good and might be able to give him some playing time. Um, Or a team that's that's like that. A non-contender, get some reps, get that major league uh, time instead of being stuck in Syracuse. 
And and I hope it works out for him because he truly was blocked. And at this point, unless they make further upgrades at designated hitter, uh, Vogelback is better at that role than Dom is. So I'm, uh, I understand the, the decision. It definitely makes me a little bit sad. And if I had to bet one way or the other, I'd say he's probably not going to make the Mets regret it, but crazier things have happened in baseball. So yeah, it is possible. Yeah. This is definitely one of the ones that hurts from just a likability stand standpoint. Like, you know, all of us were rooting for Dom for a number of reasons. And I think that this is a, a situation where if he does come back to bite the, uh, to bite the team in terms of being a really effective player for somebody else. I know I'm not going to be mad at that at all. I'm still rooting for Dom Smith no matter where he goes. There are plenty of Mets that have left that I have felt like, well, you know what? I'm glad I don't have to root for that guy anymore. Uh, I don't feel that way about Dom Smith. And so I hope that Dom turns into an excellent player and, um, you know, makes us regret having him leave because I, I just I just don't see a way that happens for the Mets. I, I don't see that happens. I don't see how that happens for Dom Smith on the Mets. I just think that if he's going to succeed elsewhere, there are a number of factors that wouldn't be present in Queens for him to have to do that. You know, whether it's whether it's just a matter of playing time or um, you know organizational attitude about him or whatever whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, fare thee well, Dom Smith. We hope that you come back and, uh, are really impressive because that will be fun for everybody. Um, do you have any strong thoughts on Sean Reed Foley being non-tendered? No real strong thoughts. Uh, I think I was all in on him early when he got those, uh, first major league innings with the Mets. In what was, was that? Just twenty twenty one? Was or is it? No, yeah. was it? Hold on, let's see. I know we saw him in spring training in twenty twenty. Yes. Wait, no, we didn't. We didn't. We couldn't have. <laughs> I thought we did too. I have a very. I, I could have sworn we did. I, who who did, who the hell did we talk to? It was somebody else. Oh, we didn't talk to him. I know that. Oh, okay. We, we talked to, was it Kevin Smith? No, who was the guy who was breeding Don Quixote? For some reason, yeah, I no, thought that, that it, was Sean Reed. No, it wasn't Sean Reed Smith. I forget who that was now, too. Man, we should know this. This was, uh, <laughs> this was a, we recorded an interview about this. Yeah, <clears throat> that's um, the thing that happened. <laughs> Amazing Avenue, Don Quixote. Uh, so, it was um, Riley Gilliam. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, conflated those two. I believe both mustachioed. Yes. Both have R's uh, in their uh, initials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I could have sworn we saw Sean Reed Foley in 2020, but you're right. He was traded in 2021 to the Mets. He was part of this team yeah. Mets trade. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, so I guess my... My initial memory was right. When he first came up in 2021, I was all in on this bizarre uh, 
you know, stance on the mound while he took his signs and he had some good early results. And then he put up a five plus ERA by the end of his still limited work. And then in 2022, his ERA was over five again. And, uh, and then he has Tommy John surgery. So I think it's probably more about clearing up a spot on the 40 man roster for the winter than, um, than anything else. But it, I do hope he ends up back on a minor league deal just because I don't know why I, I like <laughs> maybe he'll make it and, and you get attached to players even when they don't give you a whole lot of reason to when they play right. for your team. Yeah. So uh, um, if he, if he can rehab his way back and uh, you know, see what he's got in Syracuse at some point next summer. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of notes on Sean Reed Foley. First of all, if I, Hadn't just looked this up, but you had asked me how many appearances has Sean Reed Foley made in major league games for the Mets. I would have guessed so much higher than uh, 19. He's only appeared 19 major league games for the Mets, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, that, that look on the mound just <laughs> like <laughs> multiplies how much he's in our memories. Because yes. how many pitchers who have made 19 appearances or fewer for the Mets do we remember? Right, you know, and, and between his major dad mustache and like his weird um, delivery, and I believe he has a lot of tattoos. Right, I in my in my mind's eye, yeah. he has a lot of tattoos. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just everything about him is kind of striking. But yeah, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back on a minor league deal, and I I would support that um, move. But yeah, it just seems like a forty man situation here you want to have as much space in the 40 man as necessary going into the rule five draft and, and winter meetings and all that sort of stuff so yeah I, I think that makes a lot of sense um but again if this is the end of sean reed foley we'll always have those couple of games he looked really good and you and i went all in on him i remember there's 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 a podcast somewhere where you and i like really were extolling the virtues of sean reed foley <laughs> um, yeah and uh you know <laughs> Time has proved us wrong on that so far, but that's okay. Uh, I, hey, I have no regrets. What, <laughs> what's the point of being a fan if you can't occasionally be irrational about uh Yeah, exactly. <laughs> supporting somebody who's on your team. Uh, it's especially as a Mets fan, where I feel like uh, there are so there are some times where you just you really need you you need that hope, right? You you re- and in twenty twenty one there was a lot going wrong with the Mets when he came up, and you know, yeah. Uh, I, I concur. Let's let's be irrational now and then. Um, so, in addition to those two players saying goodbye to the Mets, the Mets added a, a number of sort of um, fringy arms. I guess I'll call them. They claimed two players off of waivers from rivals. They claimed William Woods off of rival uh, off of waivers from the Braves. They claimed Stephen Ridings. I think it's Ridings is how it's pronounced off ra- waivers from the Yankees. They traded to they traded the Marlins. Um, uh, Franklin Sanchez, who was one of their, uh, you know, again like not not ranked by Amazing Avenue in terms of prospects, you know, uh, of prospects of note. So they traded a non-prospect essentially to the Marlins for Eliezer Hernandez and Jeff Brigham, and they also signed uh, to minor league deals uh, Zach Munkenhern. And Denny Reyes yesterday, or uh, Wednesday, rather. So that's, you know, two, four. That's six pitchers who probably are not going to be stars for the Mets, but all provide a lot of depth. 
and all will probably spend some or all of the year in the minor leagues. But these are the type of guys that the Mets, and we've said this last offseason a bit too, these are the types of moves that the Mets just didn't make under previous ownership and previous management to bring in just a glut of guys and in spring training or in Syracuse or wherever, you just sort of see if anybody has anything and you you know, you know exploit that once that presents itself. The only name on this list that I was sort of super familiar with was Eliezer Hernandez, who has both started and re- and come out of the bullpen for the Marlins. He is certainly not like a, an all-star caliber player, but he has had he has good stuff and he can he can occasionally be an effective strikeout pitcher. And again, this seems like a a, a, a move for a he's probably going to be the Mets' seventh starter this year, right? He'll be in in the minors and he will be working out and will come up for a double header or if there's a couple of injuries. But, you know, I, I'm not particularly enthused about any of these moves. Although, uh, Jeff Brigham, Brigham, no N on there, Brigham, is um, kind of an interesting reliever. He had a really good season last year for the Marlins in very limited, uh, you know, time. But, you know, he had a 122 ERA plus in his, uh, you know, shortened 2022 season. So, you know, he might be a piece for the bullpen, and because there is so much bullpen to rebuild, this is certainly a good way to begin that process. Yeah, and look, you get guys who have <clears throat> that sort of experience in the major leagues, uh, varying levels of success, but still definitely some of it, and options remaining, and you get them for very little return because of the circumstances under which the Marlins were letting them go. Great. Two arms who cannot hurt to have uh, in the organization. And when you non-tender a couple guys and have a lot of spots on the 40-man roster open, it makes it a lot easier to make that kind of a move, uh, which is a good thing. Obviously, we hope the Mets acquire a bunch of players to fill all of their needs, most of which are on the pitching side of the roster. Um, and then they might have to make some more spots on the 40-man roster. But for now, it's the kind of thing you want to see the team doing. Um, I hope they sign a bunch of great players before the Rule 5 draft even happens. But when it gets to that point, if they haven't, I, I want them to take somebody in that too, because why not? Right. If you don't hold on to them, it's $25,000, which is not even a blip on anything Steve Cohen has ever done over the last <laughs> yes. decade or more. <laughs> he undoubtedly has spent that much on a night out. Oh, yeah, without question. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, who cares? Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, bring in fringe guys as much as you can, and then if you have to either DFA or deal them in an effort to clear space on the roster for somebody else who's clearly better... Then so be it. That that's fine. But did they even uh, add yeah, any Brig- of these guys to their forty man roster? Uh, I believe they had to with those two, right? Um, Hernandez certainly would be on there. Let's let's just double check. Yeah, William is- Woods, Jeff Brigham. Yeah, yeah, they're all in there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the way that they got them, they they kind of writings. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, 
that being said, I encourage everybody to read my annual rundown of free agent relief pitchers because the Mets still need a lot of them, even if Brigham is a really good get and can replicate what he did last year for the Marlins over the course of a full season for the Mets uh, next year and beyond. That would still probably line him up to be the third best reliever on the team after Drew Smith and Edwin Diaz. Um, So we'd very much like to see the Mets do more. Uh, Hopefully John Curtis comes back and uh, after missing this year, recovering from Tommy John surgery, uh, the Mets decided to keep him for next year, which was the whole point of signing him in the first place while he was rehabbing. Uh, He's got a pretty decent track record too. So if he's healthy, he could maybe be a fourth arm and you can start to see a bullpen taking shape, but uh, would very much prefer that they bring in a few more. Uh, There's no such thing as a sure thing, I guess, in in a bullpen, but surer things. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I would think they have to sign at least two relievers with serious major league experience. I would guys think. guys we've heard of guys who are who have at least once or twice put up ERAs under 3. <laughs> right. Uh maybe this is us being uh optimistic about that, but I think at least two of those guys will will fall into the Mets lap at some point. Um and let's hope they do because they again they could certainly use those type of players on the team right now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the last bit of news isn't really news right now, which is that Jacob DeGrom is still a free agent. However, it seems like with the Rangers going after Carlos Rondon and the Braves supposedly balking at the price that uh, DeGrom is asking for, it seems like maybe he's going to fall back into the Mets lap, which I think was always the most likely option anyway. I know people like to talk a lot about how he was definitely going to walk and never come back to the Mets, which I I always felt was a real misrepresentation of what he was saying whenever asked about this. I think he's going to wind up ending his career as a Met. I think it makes the most sense for everybody in this this instance um, for him to end his career as a Met. And so I I think that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, a- any thoughts on that, Chris? Do you do you share my optimism in that, or are you still thinking he may go elsewhere? I think I'm with you in thinking that he is going to stick around, and that the team can find a way to make that work for them. Um, I know there are some draft penalties to being way way over the luxury tax 
over an extended period of time. I don't necessarily think those penalties would rob an organization of success because they're not that heavy, especially if you're a competitive team and you're picking later in the first round and later in every round uh, on an annual basis. Um, the Mets should not have an approach that they need to tank and get Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg in back-to-back drafts. Uh, the equivalent of that should not happen <laughs> any anymore. It shouldn't even be an entertained thought. Right. Um, so, yeah. What 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 was my point? <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Cowan's money, right? So yeah, Degrom. And it's weird. To, uh, I think because of all the weird injuries and missing a calendar year, it is. It's a little easier to think about the end of his career and. Uh, yeah, that, that could be something that happens with his next contract, depending on how many years it's signed for. Um, he will turn 35 in in June next year, which is sort of a, I don't know, a big number. But, yeah, health is obviously the, the, the biggest thing here. But if he can stay relatively healthy... I could see him pitching for several more years. Um, but if this contract gets him to a point that you'd say, all right, maybe the one after it is his last one. Or maybe the one after it, you get to a point that that it's sort of like Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers. Right, right. Where, and, and Kershaw is younger, even though he's been around much longer. Um, well, is he younger? No, slightly older. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I should have that. I should have that right. But a situation like Kershaw, where he's been a free agent now, I think what after last season he had free agency. He's a free agent again this year, and it's at a point that either he's going to sign some sort of contract with the Dodgers, or he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a rare and unique thing, but. For the sake of baseball, I, I hope Kershaw keeps coming back. I mean, I, you hate to see guys who are that good hanging up, you know? Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I do think oh, – I'm with you. I think DeGrom will be in a Mets uniform next year, and and I just hope that it gets to that point that it would be like, no, he's, he would never leave. Uh, of course not, you know, especially when – and I, I know the Mets season sort of went out on a very quick note. <laughs> well, that, that having the division slip away by the slimmest of margins at the end, and and exiting the playoffs quickly, uh, that all felt like it happened so fast. But while they were having a hundred one win season, while they were in the playoffs. No other team got that treatment, and we talked about it at the time. There were more words written about who their pending free agents were and how Jacob deGrom was going to be on the Braves. I mean, after game one of the World uh, the World Card, <laughs> the World Cup on the Wild Card series, um, I was on the subway, and, and uh, one Mets fan was like, oh, DeGrom's already a Brave. I'm like, oh, my God. Can we, can we just... <laughs> Can we they get lost one the, game. Right, exactly. We, we maybe see what happens tomorrow. And then the day after that, 
and then and then maybe worry about it when we get to that point. And and now we are not that far removed, time wise, from that game one wild card loss. Uh, and there is absolutely no notion that the Braves are even involved. Uh, that they'd be willing to spend that kind of money on any single player. Anything can happen, but there was this foregone conclusion that he was going to leave and go to Atlanta, and they're not even in the mix based on everything we've heard up to this point. Yeah. So, just another reminder to wait for news to happen before you react to it, uh, at least in baseball. Probably a good thing in all parts of life, but especially with sports. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and and uh, we, we should mention there's a really well-written piece by two of our writers, uh, Vass and Lucas, which came out on, uh, it was Tuesday or Wednesday this week, which basically c- compares a, it, it's like a, a point-counterpoint on whether the Mets should re-sign DeGrom. And uh, it's it's a really good read, and I think both make very valid points for their positions on that. And so if you haven't read that, please check it out and do that. Uh, it's very, very fun. Um, I think that's pretty much it in terms of Mets news for now. We are, um, you know, we're keeping this every other week schedule, which lines us up, I think, nicely for the winter meetings, doesn't it? Isn't that not next week, but the week after? I believe so. That's when it usually would be. I should probably know that. Uh. I should probably know that too, but (laughs) I I think that lines up uh, properly. So you'll hear from us again after the winter meetings. If anything big happens in between there, we might pop in for a quick little emergency podcast or something. But uh, until then... What would you say uh, was the um, was your music pick for this week? So, I'm keeping my streak of bands that played a Desert Day this days this year going. Um, I've not been one to avoid picking bands I've picked before, and this is another example of that. It is not another King Gizzard record record uh, though, even though they put out three in October, and I could go that route, but. <laughs> And they did that KEXP session, which you said was as good of a, as good as a record, essentially. Yeah, no. I, if if you enjoyed, now granted, the record I recommended last week was uh, was a different one than the one they highlighted at their most recent KEXP session. But if you enjoy any of what you've heard from King Gizzard, uh, definitely check out their latest stop at the studios of KEXP. Uh, I know Amel and the Sniffer stopped there recently too, and and so did OCs. So as always, that that stuff is just incredible. What they're able to get bands to come in and do and record. Uh, but the Desert Days related pick this week, uh, it may have been my favorite set of the whole festival. Um, I'd never seen them before. Fuzz. Uh, I had recommended one of their other records. Quite a while ago, uh, Ted Berg was a guest on that episode. I remember, and we, we talked about it, and uh, he was shocked to hear the band still recorded live in the studio, like uh, like the previous album mm-hmm. I had recommended from Fuzz. But uh, they did. But this one is just their self titled record. It was the first one they put out, um, and songs off of that that they played. Uh, they did a levitation session during the pandemic. Uh, like the first year or so of the pandemic that featured a bunch of the songs too. So the live set at Desert Days was similar in terms of which songs were played. 
uh, and just so, so good. And uh, as a refresher, Ty Siegel is on drums and vocals in this band. And I honestly think, at least in that live context, uh, and you can hear it on the records too, his drumming is as good as his guitar playing, which is just kind of incredible to think about. Um, He's a regular Jay Maskus in that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is appropriate as I'm set to see Dinosaur Jr. again for like the what third time this year wow that wow that's uh yeah but anyway fuzz fuzz um earth and gate is really good what's in my head is just really uh catchy heavy rock it's the best way i can put it and i have to say in general naming a band fuzz pretty bold (laughs) (laughs) and and they pull it off it's exactly if you know the band name and the, and the general type of music, you know what you're getting into. It's very much Black Sabbath influenced rock, uh, and it's so well done. And then, uh, yeah, so that set was great. This album was great, and the icing on the cake was that uh, Ty and Charles Moothart played solo acoustic sets recently in Brooklyn. Uh, so two thirds of Fuzz. We're, we're there playing in a, a format that you don't usually see, uh, you know, each of their own songs that neither one played any, any fuzz songs acoustic, because I don't know, I don't know if that could. would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that is my long winded, uh, latest recommendation from the Ty Siegel tree of music, uh, <laughs> that I recommend that you check out. Uh, very nice. Um, so a friend of mine had hit me to this thing that is being done online. There's a book that has come out a couple of times in a few editions called A Thousand and One Albums You Have to Hear Before You Die, or You Should Hear, whatever it's called. But it's A Thousand and One Albums You Should Hear Before You Die. And somebody created an online generator for it where every day if you sign up, it will give you a random record. And it, it keeps track of it based on your like login so that if you do this for A Thousand and One Days, you will get to hear all the thousand one uh records from that book and while i um i try to listen to a lot of new music i also have a lot of blind spots like everybody i i don't i get really annoyed when somebody uh claims that they like you know that they're that they don't like that they can't find new music music new stuff to listen to and i don't even mean new as in like released in 2022 i mean just new to you so i'm always up for listening to more music and so i've been doing this every day i'm on day 25 or 26 right now 25 and some of the records i've been very familiar with like today's was sticky fingers by the rolling stones for me and i've heard sticky fingers many times right but every now and then you hear a record by a band that you know but didn't know that album or you'll get something brand new tossed at you. And so it's always kind of fun to just, you know, um, get these daily recommendations of, of stuff to listen to. And the other day I got a recommendation from an artist I enjoy, but an artist with a huge discography that I have not heard everything from because there are just so many records. And that artist is Fela Kuti, the uh, African saxophonist, singer, songwriter, political figure, um, polygamist i'm trying to think of other words to describe uh fela but um he is the the sort of the pioneer of what they call afrobeat music which i I absolutely love which is 
jazz that gets very repetitive and almost trance-like at times because it's just they they lock in a groove and it goes on for a very long time. The record that was on in that book, and maybe there's more than one in that book. I've I have purposely not sought out what records are in there just so every day it's a bit of a surprise. But I'm sure I'm gonna get Sgt. Pepper's one day, right? But like, so this is called Live. It's a 1971 Fela record, and it features uh, Cream drummer and uh, Blind Faith drummer Ginger Baker on two songs, which is really fun because Ginger Baker's a great drummer, and having him. Uh, sit in with them for the second side of the record of the, of the vinyl disc tracks three and four are is fantastic and if you listen to it digitally there's a bonus track that's a drum solo between ginger baker and Fela's drummer tony allen who is again another incredible drummer and it's like 16 minute drum battle between the two of them but it's not like showy and um you don't get the sense that they're trying to one up each other. They're really trying to groove together. And there is not a track on this shorter than eight minutes. Most of the tracks are in the 12 to 13 minute range. They're all long. They're all hypnotic. And they're all just really great. So if you have any interest in jazz or in funk or in um, just, you know, music with a heavy groove, I think Fela is like an un- undeniable presence. Um, but. This live record was actually a great place to begin. So, Fela Kuti live from 1971, featuring Ginger Baker. That would be my my recommendation for this week. And uh, Chris, are you a Fela guy? Have you ever listened to some Fela Kuti? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't know the discography as well as I should. There's so much of it, though. It's it's hard. Yeah, uh, his son Sayan Kuti was at Desert Days. So there you go. Oh, nice. you, you made a related pick without hey, even knowing it. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and played music very much in his father's style. And uh, yeah, I need to listen to more of his because Antibalis out of Brooklyn uh, were or they, they play his style of music. And they play it really well. And I and I, I love listening to their records. And he was hands down the biggest influence on, on that band's sound. Um so yeah, definitely a fan of the style, um, and I, I will I will take your recommendation to actually listen to the originator of it more. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very cool. It's it's good stuff. He is a fascinating and probably problematic person in a lot of reasons, um, but in terms of his his musical output. I mean, look, I, I don't want to paint him as, as all of a bad brush. He was a, he did a lot of very important political things in um, you know, in in his lifetime. But he also, you know, there were there was some there was some not cool stuff. Specifically, it seems like his relationship with women might be a uh, might be a problem. But you know, these things happen, and we can't. Uh, I heard a great phrase recently, or I was talk. I I heard someone say, uh, "You can't be on every jury." And I, 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 I enjoy that phrase. You can't be on every journey. You, you, you can't decide every single thing about every single person. And so, um, you know, I love Fela's mu- music. I don't know enough about him to make definitive statements about about his uh, personal life. I don't know why I'm making such a, such a big deal out of this. Listen to Fela Kuti live. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for listening. I, uh, uh, we're very, very happy to have you with us through the off season and beyond. 
Um, please go to AmazingAvenue.com where you can find all sorts of Mets news and information. Uh, hopefully there'll be some real Mets news to talk about soon because it's been a minute since we've had that. And um, yeah, go to, uh, again, go to Amazing Avenue. You can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. Chris is on Twitter for now. Are you still on Twitter or are you off? I am still on. Okay, yes. well, we're both still on Twitter <laughs> for now. He is a Christmas train. I'm Brian is an app. And until next time, let's go Mets.